Welcome to our C3 Grow podcast. Wherever you are today, we hope that this message encourages you. We'd love to see you in person at one of our three locations, Howick, Ormiston, and Suva. Visit c3grow.org for details. This morning, I am very happy to be continuing uh, our sermon series, The New Life. The New Life. I love this, right? It's that constant journey for us to walk in the new life. It's a daily process. It's not something that you just kind of accomplish or achieve, tick it off. Yep, I've done it. Uh, It's a daily thing, isn't it? And an important scripture for us as a church is Ephesians 4.15. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ is what we're named after, C3 Grow, to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. As we read on from there, then there's this beautiful section of text in Paul's letter where he really animates and explains this new life that we are actually growing up into, what it should look like, what it should sound like. Uh, It's very practical, and so that's what we've been exploring in this series, if you're just joining us this week, uh, what does this new life that we are seeking to grow up into actually look like? And so we've been walking through uh, kind of verse by verse. Last week, Steve walked us through Ephesians 4.28, and so you can start turning here in your Bibles if you've got them this morning. Uh, And we looked at the fact that work, like Genevieve was talking about, work is actually a gift from God. Every kind of work is a gift from God. We saw that faith doesn't need to steal or to hoard to be happy, uh, but it does, in fact, have to give and share to be happy. That's part of the process. Uh, And also, we've got our messages uh, available to you now on podcast, uh, either on Apple or Spotify. So if you miss a week, if you're sick, if you're rostered on Kids Church, you can always uh, hear the message from the previous week. On podcast. Uh, today we are looking at Ephesians 4 29 and 30. Ephesians 4 29 and 30, which I think is it's, it's pretty convicting. It's pretty hard work, but I'm going to encourage you in it this morning. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And perhaps on the surface we think, oh, that's easy. No corrupting talk comes out of my mouth. Easy. But I think with some kind of honest reflection, uh, we can probably all agree, certainly I can, that definitely some corrupting talk comes out of my mouth, and not only things that are useful for building up and edifying and giving grace. So I pray that this morning your spirit will be open to hear from God, just to let him put his finger on uh, the parts in us that need work, because we all still need work, right? Or is it just me? 
It's just me. Okay, just preaching to myself, but I'm happy to do that. I need it. So when I was growing up, there was like this cliche saying, uh, the threat to a child when they say something wrong, rude, they swear, whatever, mum says, oh, watch out. I'll wash your mouth out with soap. Uh, just out of interest, did that actually ever happen to anyone? Oh, oh, a few baddies in the room. Awesome. I love it. I love it. So it does seem uh, pretty old-fashioned now, uh, an old-fashioned punishment, but it's actually kind of a great object lesson, which we're just going to kind of tease out a little bit. And so what we allow, you know, to pass through our lips has a profound effect on ourselves and also obviously to the hearers, whoever is there. And it can be profoundly corrupting or it could be profoundly upbuilding, edifying, encouraging. So and it's no surprise that so much in this text, the discussion that we're having is actually about how we use our tongues. It's powerful. It changes our life. It changes the lives around us. And so that's going to be um, a lot of our discussion actually over the next few weeks as we work through uh, the text. Washing a child's mouth out, or an adult's mouth out, with soap, uh, it serves as a great object lesson, right? That some speech is corrupting. The NIV uses the word unwholesome, NLT says foul. So taking the soap to our mouth, the offending member of our body, uh, it serves to illustrate the point that our language is dirty. We're trying to clean it up. But the point that we've been coming back to again and again is that it's actually not the mouth that has the problem, even though it's seemingly the offending member. It's not the real problem because everything that comes out of our mouth we know is downstream from our heart. It's our heart that has the real issue. Steve referenced Jesus' words in Matthew 15 last week. Jesus said, Matthew 15, 11, it is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of his mouth that defiles a person. Then he goes on to say in verse 18, but what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For what comes Oh, sorry, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. That's the problem. That's the futility of taking the soap to the mouth, right? It illustrates the issue. It's dirty, it's bad talk, but it can't actually solve the problem, can it? Just for a second, cleans the mouth. But a clean mouth can only stay clean as long as the heart that's feeding it is actually clean. So again, I remember where Laura started us off in this series, beginning with putting off of our old self, which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and our being renewed in the spirit of our minds and putting on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That is what we want to be doing every day. The supernatural work of the Spirit that goes right to the heart of the issue. 
It's only by God's spirit allowing him access to our heart that he can actually clean up the pollution at its source is where it starts, right? And thank God for his goodness, his grace and his mercy that he never tires. He never tires of helping clean up our heart. He knows it's a lifelong process and he's committed to doing that with us. Let's look more closely at verse 29. Paul says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So what kind of language might Paul have in mind? Well, all kinds of language, uh, anything that might have a corrupting effect on yourself or others. That is anything, if your language is not good for building up, if it's not giving grace to those who hear, at best it might just be empty, idle talk. At worst, it's corrupting talk. By the way, as a bit of an aside, I love the phrase in the middle of that, as fits the occasion. As fits the occasion. I think what this requires from us is to actually be present in each moment to give careful thought and consideration. Where am I? Who is in this room? What can I contribute that is actually going to build up, that's going to edify, that's going to give grace to those who are around me? You know, and there might be some talk which is good for building up uh, in certain company and in certain contexts, uh, which actually might not be appropriate in other contexts or in other company. And sometimes talk that is good for building up in certain company and in certain contexts is actually detrimental, unhealthy and un helpful, unhealthy, uh, in other contexts and in other company. It's worth our consideration. You know, society today is so big on just speaking your mind, freedom of speech, saying what you want, when you want, how you're feeling, it's your truth, whatever it is they're saying. That's not the Christian way. That's not the Christian way. We have to be very careful, thoughtful and deliberate with what comes out of our mouth. And it's not about being a different person uh, in different settings. That's not the point at all. It's about being the same person, but recognizing that in different settings, it actually calls for different levels of restraint, different words, a different tact, sometimes just keeping our mouth closed having wisdom. For example, when I'm praising one of my kids, I don't always praise them in front of their siblings because I don't want them to feel like the child who's not being praised has disappointed me. I don't want them to feel um, comparison, to feel awkward. So I don't always do that. There are lots of times, though, when I do praise them in front of each other because I want them to be able to celebrate others, to recognize great achievements, 
Uh, totally. I want them uh, to be able to celebrate other people. And in the same manner, I don't always have conversations correcting their behaviour in front of other people. What might build up one of my kids in private in a one-on-one in -on -one conversation is going to be so helpful to them. If I have that same conversation uh, in front of a room full of people, it is suddenly not helpful or uplifting or beneficial at all, but it's very embarrassing, very hurtful. Uh, so it's worth our consideration. Reading the room. Where are these people at? Where are my kids at? How are they feeling at the moment? Is it actually going to be helpful to them to hear encouragement about the other sibling? Or should I leave that till another day? So Paul puts a ban, a complete ban. He says no corrupting talk. A complete ban on all language that achieves the opposite of building up and a complete ban on all language that gives the opposite of grace to those who hear. He doesn't say sometimes it's okay. If you're feeling frustrated, then it's fine. N nope, that's not what it says, sorry. No corrupting talk. Only what is good for building up is such a challenge. It's such a challenge. But I'm convinced that Jesus is worth it. Jesus is worth me fighting against my old nature. He is worth me ditching the selfish, corrupting talk. He's worth me ditching, criticizing others. Jesus is worth it. It's not about me. And my need to just let something out, regardless of if other people are there to hear it or not. It's not what Christ has called us to. He's worth it. He's worth fighting against it. I'm not going to get into too much detail um, about exactly what, you know, different kinds of language and all of those things. One, because I think uh, the Holy Spirit can convict us. He can do that work. Uh, and also, I don't want to steal too much of Fred's message. He's going to be preaching in a fortnight's time from Ephesians 5.4, uh, which talks about no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, uh, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. So lots of discussion around our speech is coming up, and I'm sure they'll address more kinds of corrupting talk. But I did just want to mention one category of corrupting talk, which we have to eradicate from our lives now that we've been made new. And that is all mean-spirited talk. All mean-spirited talk. Whenever our thoughts and our words are loveless, they are best kept to ourselves, best kept unspoken best offered up to God in our quiet times. That's where we get rid of them, not in front of other people. They're just not needed. We are all better off not hearing loveless words. All mean-spirited talk we need to put behind us. Steve will be preaching um, next week, talking about all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander to be put away, along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, 
as God in Christ forgave you. So beautiful, isn't it? So let's make a decision today that kindness will flavor our speech. Kindness. Let kindness always be behind your words. Edifying, building up, filled with grace. Here are four reasons, uh, four effects, I guess, of corrupting talk. If I haven't convinced you yet to leave it behind, let me convince you. The first negative thing about corrupting talk is that simply it does not build up, which is obvious from the text. It does the opposite. It tears down. Whatever the situation is, corrupting talk is anything that does not strengthen, improve, or help. Anything that is not given grace, therefore it's not really good for anything. It's probably just gossip and idle chatter. Best left unsaid. Second, it will probably make you sick. The Proverbs are really big uh, on our speech. Proverbs 18.11, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Corrupting talk is like bad fruit. When you speak in a corrupting way, it's like you are force-feeding rotten fruit into the mouths of everyone who is listening. Hopefully they're smart enough to spit it out and not to digest it. And it's not just others, but it's also force-feeding yourself rotten fruit when you let this corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That's the gist of the proverb, the words that you speak are like fruit that you will eat. So make sure that it's good fruit, that it's good words, because you're eating it. And bad fruit will make you and those around you sick. It's like poison to your soul, slowly erodes your soul. The third thing about corrupting talk It ruins an atmosphere. It completely ruins an atmosphere. About a year ago, I took the kids grocery shopping and we needed cream for something with a few other items. Put them in the bag, drove home, grabbed out the bag of groceries and the bottle of cream, uh, unbeknownst to us, had rolled out of the shopping bag and rolled under uh, the front seat on the passenger side. And uh, we went on with our life, completely oblivious, until about three days later, three sunny days later, it was summer, three sunny days later, this smell, I've got a bit of PTSD from it, the smell was just like, is there a dead rat in our car? Like, what is going on? And we just could not find the source of this smell. It was just putrid, right? It had gone off the bottle, was like twice as big as it should have been, it's leaking out into the carpet, under the seat, and we just, we couldn't really bear to be in the car. We've got the windows rolled down, we're gagging, it was just, we couldn't have any pleasant moments at all in that car, it was literally disgusting. So long after we had forgotten about the cream, it still had this very, very pervasive effect on the atmosphere in that car. It took a long time, 
after we found that cream to clean that carpet and get it sorted out. It was a big job. Have you ever walked into a room and you just think, oh, I think they've just been talking about me? Or you go into someone's house, you think, oh, it's obvious they've just been fighting, it's unresolved, the woman's got teary eyes, and you just want to back out of there, right? It's an awful atmosphere to be in when words have been spoken, even when you don't hear the words, you walk into the atmosphere and it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant to be in. Our words and the heart behind them, they create a certain environment, either a negative one or a really positive one. Our corrupting talk ruins environments but on the flip side of that, our positive, uplifting, edifying, grace-filled words, they create the most beautiful, inviting, healing environments where the Holy Spirit comes and lives and moves. There's so much power in that. Fourth, it probably comes from a sick heart, which we have touched on a little bit already, the link between our negative behavior, in this case our speech, and the link towards the heart. And why I want to bring this up one more time is to say that there can be one positive thing that comes from corrupting talk if we're smart enough to use it. That is, if we let our corrupt talk actually be an early detection for us that our heart might be a little bit sick. And then if we are smart enough to go to God for the remedy. He is the doctor, the only one who can fix this condition of a sick heart. That is the only use I can see for corrupting talk. If we just are humble enough to let us go, okay, God, there's something at the source that's not right. Is it pride, rejection, hurt, unforgiveness? There's something. Our heart is sick if our words are corrupting. Let us be the kind of people who immediately take that before God. Say, God, show me what is it. Because we can't fix our heart ourselves. We can't. Only Jesus, you know, and our words locate us. They show us how we're doing. If the fruit is bad, then the root is bad. So let's be aware and let's be, right, be self-aware. Let our words be like a red flag that there might be a heart issue that needs addressing. Paul writes this in Romans 6, 12 to 13. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. And here again, in... Um, 
just like in Romans and Ephesians, we see it's the intention of Paul for every aspect of our lives to be used as a testimony of God's grace. Our speech, our actions, the way that we live. Let it all give grace to others and give glory to God. And we see that. By doing that, then we actually obey the second part of what we're looking at today. Ephesians 4 verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. When we are filled with the Spirit, when we're self-aware, when we're intentional, then our words will be a testimony of grace and a means of giving grace to others. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we let this corrupting talk come out of our mouths because our bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And we grieve the Spirit when we just let whatever we want come out of our mouths. Our mouths are not our own. When we've become a Christian, our mouths belong to Christ. We have to give him glory and honor through our speech, not grieve the Holy Spirit. Using our whole lives. You know, and Steve, again, he touched on this last week, using our whole lives to give grace to others. When we look at our jobs, secular work, it's not just about not stealing or doing honest work for wages. It's about having something to share, being generous, being grace-filled, having an opportunity uh, and the means to give to others that God may be glorified. Same with our words. Are our words bringing glory to God? It's a great question to keep asking ourselves. And so it's the same here. It's not just about stopping swearing, cleaning up your potty mouth, taking the soap to it. That's not it. That's not the point. It's about experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit that renews our heart and offering our mouth to God as an instrument for righteousness. That it will be an amazing testimony for those around us. By the Spirit, we can make our mouth a weapon that is great for building others up. Isn't that what we want? That our mouth can build others by the Spirit, make your mouth a fountain that generously gives grace to those who hear. That is what God can do. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has blessed you. For more information about our church, you can find us online at c3grow.org.